Hello and uh, welcome to Chewing It Over again. I'm back, Jack March, and I'm joined by Joe Turner, as you should be able to see on your screen. So we're here for Wellbeing Wednesday, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. And I've slightly hijacked this session to talk about what I want to talk about. Um, and Joe's very kindly agreed to add her thoughts and discussions to uh, presenting nerves. Um, we're going to try to um, we're going to try to cover general themes about what people might struggle with, um, the problems that might arise, and how we might differ as individuals. Uh, rather than trying to offer too many major solutions, maybe we'll come back to that in another time. So, um, if you are listening in live, first thing you need to do, as usual, is give us a thumbs up. Make sure we're coming through nice and loud and clear. Um, it does look like both of our signals are pretty pretty good and pretty stable so hopefully we are coming through um nice and nice and clearly to everybody um so welcome joe to wellbeing wednesday how are you, you. doing doing today i'm great I, i've just been through a kind of rapid move change with those two intro bits of music this one will kind of like I know. dreamy and then ah! <laughs> i feel like i've been manipulated <laughs> we we've got to find a way of turning down the um that explosion of noise that is, the, that, is that cloud oh, nice and dreamy <laughs> is uh, uh, yeah there's um a bit a bit of a contrast isn't it um <laughs> alistair beverly's here as usual and he has gotcha 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 got us on uh, on twitter and we've got michael here from facebook as well who's got us as well so anybody who is watching live please do put into the comments and if you are presenting um live or live of course it's live if you're presenting over um, the internet or if you're presenting in person, what are the kinds of things that cause you nerves um, prior or during those um, sessions? Joe and I have got a couple of ideas of our own. Uh, we just had a little chat off air beforehand, but do put in and we'll have a bit of a conversation about those different things. I'm sure we can guess some of them, but also some of them might be a little bit different. We've obviously got online stuff with technology differences and the fact that we're not getting any reactions from the crowd and then almost the opposite with in-person. Um, and um, I think uh, it all brings its own challenges. How have you found, Joe, this uh, very quick move to online that we we had last year for, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but there was a pandemic and we had to do a lot from home, but um, how did you find that quick change? Because for me, it's not, it wasn't something that um, changed that I did a lot online anyway. And you know, it's my job to create resources mm. online really, and I do in-person stuff. But how did you find that that switch? Um, it, I think it depended on the task. So obviously some of our um, clinical work, and in my case, particularly teaching classes, went online. And I didn't terribly like that. Um, I'll come back to the reasons why, because it kind of relates to why actually there were some elements that I quite enjoyed about presenting online. Um, and I was just saying to you off air, Jack, that um, I, I don't know if I'm different to anybody else, but I am aware that I'm particularly sensitive to people's body language, comments, um, eye movements, and in person, if I'm working clinically or teaching a class, I find that really helpful to feed off and judge the mood. But if I'm presenting, I find it quite distracting, particularly if I have something, very, a kind of clear pattern and pathway that I want the presentation to go on. And actually, if I'm presenting online, got over that problem to a certain extent because, yeah, you've got the slightly awkward issue of staring yourself in the face, but you've also got your slides right in front of you. There's nothing else going on. Um, I probably found it easier to focus, to be honest. 
yeah it, it, it's really different isn't it because i we talked about before i find almost the opposite with um uh, in-person talking i don't recognize um facial expressions particularly well and if people are bored or whatever and i don't really recognize those things so i find that i'm able to carry on more easily um in person without noticing but then equally probably if people are bored or not understanding i don't notice either so i need them to to interrupt me um whereas i am very comfortable online uh, mm. without that sort of reaction um and have gotten very used to staring at myself in the in the face and talking and i think one of the things i someone asked me about they'd not done any online teaching before and they said oh what's it like to do and i said well go and stand a foot from a mirror and then just start talking and you can't stop talking until you've finished your material because no one else is going to be there um, yeah. and it's a very unusual or different circumstance without those reactions i think um yeah, I think your brain works very, I find my brain works very, very fast when I'm presenting online because there isn't that feeling um, and anything to feed off. So uh, I almost feel like there's a conversation going on in my head the whole time, um, almost creating my own reactions and feeding off them. Um, so yeah, I sit quite busy in my head, even though I'm trying to um, present something coherent. Do you find you get through the material faster or slower in either situation, or are you pretty good at mediating the pace that you go because i think that's one thing i've noticed with obviously i've worked with a lot of speakers over the last year or so 200 odd um and i've noticed some people they can't get through their material that they've created in their time frame at all and they've got through maybe half of it and then the other half of people seem to be getting through it in half the time that they thought they might do do you find you can pace yourself reasonably um yeah i, I think i've managed to get a quite a good idea of how many slides per 10 minutes or something I need and so far touch wood maybe I've just been really lucky but it does seem to have the, the pace seems to have gone um okay but then you know you've always got the option in person or online haven't you to flick through a few if you know that you you're getting near the end and you're running out of time just skip over a few slides um no actually I, I haven't found that too difficult Brilliant. We've got Alistair's in, agrees with you quite a lot. I think um, he he struggles with tech issues, which I'm wondering, Alistair, is that if the tech goes wrong or you're concerned about the tech going wrong? Obviously, the only one of the only problems you've got in person is if your voice goes, which I did present a back to back courses once in 2020 and I was fine day one and day two. I had no voice whatsoever all day and it was rather difficult to do um and he he struggles with the um with the reading the room as well you had an interesting point about tech joe which probably differs to what because of my comfort and 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 how i how often i'm using these presenting platforms i suppose but you would rather a different view on what the tech does to you uh, mm. during during presentations yeah so i mean i would say my skill is on more the the creative side and and the delivery i'm not i can manage tech but it's not a very natural skill for me and i find uh it's not like driving a car and having a conversation where you're not thinking about driving the car i'm not at that stage my tech ability um particularly if i'm using a new format um so i find it it throws me off my patter a little bit um whereas i know you said that it's so much that it is like driving a car you're on auto with the tech and um, which leaves you freer to focus on the delivery and the presentation yeah for sure have you had anything with regards to um your 
how do I phrase this? The setup of what you're doing. So um, I've just, for example, I've just bought a lovely new light, which I don't know if I can make it shadow. I made it. I noticed that I, my lamp that I've got was making me was making me very orange, and I decided I didn't like that very much. But it, you know, it's a, a strange example. But I, you've got a really nice background, and my room's a mess that I've got behind me um, because you know I don't care about my appearance particularly. But is 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 that something that you found you've had to put a lot of thought into or you know change a lot of, around what's mm. been what you've been doing um definitely my natural tendency would be your approach um and <laughs> yeah my my husband and kids would would say that my attention to appearance is not that great um but i did a course actually at the beginning of lockdown with a very interesting lady called evelyn brink go and look her up if you're if any of you are interested in um particularly presenting your material via video um, I think I was attracted to Evelyn when I read that she was, uh, in her youth, Europe's biggest Madonna impersonator. <laughs> she's, a, she's a really interesting lady, very talented at business presentation. Um, and actually her, her videos come across um, very natural and creative, and that's what she's trying to encourage in you. But she was quite, she challenged us all quite strongly on our reasons for not thinking it was important how we present ourselves. Um, and more, more you know on the point of the recipient you know what makes the recipient feel calm and interested um what stops them having opinions about your appearance or background um yeah it was it was quite an interesting reframe um probably you know, most of this audience is probably physios and clinicians i think perhaps we think it's a little bit indulgent to focus on our appearance you know, we're there to provide a service but actually if the service is delivering good material online and you taking a little bit of care with how it looks helps that delivery then yeah i see i see evelyn's point mm. there was a study along a, a while ago i remember it quite not quite well where they they looked at environment on clinical outcomes i don't oh, yeah. know if you, do you i don't know if you ever remember that it was, it was a relatively mm. small study but they they showed that the patients responded better if it was a nicer environment so i think it was a comparison between a hospital and a private clinic or something i don't remember mm. the details but it was talking about you know when you go into a spa and every there's nice tinkly music playing and everything's clean um and everything's you know fresh and the receptionist meets you and then nice and happy and stuff versus the opposite of that and how that can completely affect outcomes mm. and i suspect that there's similar things going on with you know what's going on in the backgrounds of people's um presentations and stuff and um how they present themselves and i often will concentrate a lot on the, the how my slides look yeah um, and then i don't concentrate so much on how i look especially because i make myself small down in the corner so it's because i don't i don't like to be distracting to the rest of the um presentation i think it's i think i don't think it works if you're not on screen at all but mm. I think I, you don't want to be distracting from people. It, it, what's contained in your slides either. So I think there's a trade-off, and therefore I can I am therefore lazy about what's in the background. But it, it is something that I've taken on board recently that I should I should be adapting. Actually, you Let, just sorry, Gordon, you, you had a question there, Jack. You get yours in, and I'll, I'll remember that thought. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say let's pull this back to sort of well-being rather than we're we're a bit into the weeds of sort of. Um, mm -hmm the technicals of presenting and stuff. Do you have anybody that you're you know, obviously not individuals, but do you when you're mentoring and you're doing your bits and bobs, do you ever um, is anybody bringing up any specific 
uh, I suppose, nerves or apprehensions or um, personal reflections when when they're presenting they don't want to come across a certain way and that mm. changes with online versus in person have you have you had any experience of that um i don't know if this would change online or in person uh but it certainly yeah it would definitely be relevant online and to social media i think the comment i hear the most is why would anyone care what i have to say yeah. uh, and if i present something uh is there an implication I know more than everybody else about the subject? Uh, I know that I don't, therefore I shouldn't be presenting. So unless I am absolutely the world's number one expert on this topic, um, I shouldn't be doing it. So there's this real sense of, do I have permission? Um, and I think implicit in that first statement is, is this self-indulgent? Um, I hear that phrase loads from clinicians. And I guess it's not surprising, we're all in an industry um, where our primary focus is to provide a service to other people and to care for other people. And I think we've got a really acute radar for appearing to, to have any um, wish to uh, put any airs and graces on ourselves or think that we're superior in any way. Physios particularly struggle with that. Um, and I would hazard a guess that's something to do with medical hierarchy and where we are subconsciously positioned and how how much permission we feel we have to punch those ceilings um, there's probably a self-selection um uh aspect to it as well i was just thinking when you were saying that that we tend to physiotherapists tend to have a problem with um self-promotion as well uh, which yeah. fits into the same bracket doesn't it like um i know when i the best thing for me to get people to book courses is when i run courses right um there's nothing like i never get more bookings for courses than when i've just run a course um and and they sort of feed themselves and i think we're not very good at selling what we bring to the particular no. conversation are we and you you've talked in the past as loads we've got some good um, resources on imposter syndrome and and those kind of things and what is it that you as a clinician or, or as a person specifically bring to that conversation mm. and of course there's only going to be one person in the world who is the best in the world not everybody yeah. is they, they're not going to do every single every single webinar are they um what do you think about um you know these this the impact of that on them when someone goes so let's say you know oh i'm really happy to have been asked to speak at x y and z mm. but i don't know whether i'm the best person to be speaking at it what's then the impact on that creative side and delivery side i think if you let that stay and don't challenge that thought it, it's completely um crushing and you probably won't do it <laughs> because um unless you challenge it and reframe it you'll you'll you know there's too many reasons not to um and I'm definitely not immune to any of those things. Uh, I don't know if any of you remember some of the posts I put out building up to Therapy Live. I called it Diary, Diary of a Therapy Live Speaker. And probably the one that seemed to hit home most with people was um, what if no one's interested in what I have to say? And genuinely that was going through my head on the day I posted it. And my reframe was um, some people will be interested and an awful lot of people won't be interested. Um, and that is absolutely all right because you know just by the nature of any material it's not going to serve absolutely everybody but the important thing is it doesn't mean my material is not worthwhile and it doesn't mean that i'm not worthwhile um and it's slightly off point but just something that occurred to me when you were talking before jack was 
um, about bringing what you add to this material. So firstly, you know, if you've got a problem with self-promotion, then the first thing is to recognise that actually you're promoting whatever you're presenting, and, and that doesn't necessarily need to be anything about you. But um, I think a really interesting point is how is the use of bringing yourself personally and this is the idea of, of serving the people that really need to hear you and it's not because your story is necessarily unique or the most important story to tell but uh, a friend of mine who works a lot with storytelling to uh, for marketing purposes um, makes this point that by really seeing you and identifying with a very specific personal point that you make either in some cases, people will directly identify with that story and that experience and say, oh, yeah, me too. Or it will trigger a thought in them, oh, yeah, that reminds me of when I did this. And I think it's true that when, as soon as people see themselves in something and see the relevance of it, then it's much more powerful to them. Mm. And that's not just from a you know selling a product point of view, that's from whether someone finds your presentation interesting or not. And at the end of the day, we're all we're trying to find those touch points rather than staying in generalist world that actually make things meaningful to people. Yeah, do you think that's harder these days because of this explosion of content? You know, everybody's been every, getting more at well, first quarter of last year, all of a sudden people were sitting around a bit more and needed financial income and needed something to do and this content has exploded everywhere. Mm. Um, so it's a bit harder to get through the noise, isn't it? Do you think it's harder these days to push those thoughts to the back or do you think actually everybody's practiced a little bit and they know what they bring now and it's a little bit easier? Um, it depends if you're consciously engaged in that process. Um, I think it's it's harder in that you have to be very clear and quite brave you know, to share anything personal about yourself feels vulnerable even if you're reasonably happy with it. Um, and I think it's probably the more thoughtful people that are genuinely prepared to bring, um, I don't want to say authentic is such an overused word, but you know, it, sometimes you can convince yourself you're being authentic when actually you're regurgitating things you've heard other people say. And it takes a little bit of time to question yourself and go, you know, is that actually what I'm saying? Is that actually persons, actually the truth? And then to put it out there, knowing that some people are just going to go, oh, whatever, I'm not interested. And some people, it, it will hit the mark with. And um, so, is it harder? Uh, it's, yes, if you're not prepared to, I guess, uh, engage in that in that process. Mm -hmm. I think one thing to come to you said about, oh, is anybody interested in what I've got to say, and mm -hmm. all these kind of things. I think one of the things, the way that we um, we set therapy live up, for example, is we go who are we interested in listening to on what topic so at worst it's at least two of us <laughs> somebody's <interested>. interested <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't have asked we don't ask people we're not interested in so i think that from that point of view people i i wonder whether this reframing you know you said about oh someone's asked me to do this am i the best person to do that uh, do i know more than other people as opposed to reframing it and going why did they ask me what is it they think i'm bringing that's different um yeah. bringing that sort of positive reframe um to the to the fore um, and it might be as much as you're the you happen to be recommended by somebody else that you know or mm. you know some other positive thing because people don't just well some people do i suppose just randomly type into google 
my in my case rheumatology physio and i come fairly near the top and that maybe they do just they use that as a way of of asking me to do things um but yeah it's it definitely definitely reframing that's really interesting you're right and um i did a podcast two episodes ago with a panel of women and um lucy mcdonald made a really good point um she was referring to how to try and encourage more women to come and present that but it this may actually make sense for men and women but she was saying when you invite someone it's really helpful when you're invited to know very specific reasons why you have been invited and i guess that's helpful because it gets over that who am i because the person's actually telling you who you are mm. and that i think that shortcuts some of that process mm. just making a mental note of that to do that when i invite people to podcasts now I did yeah. listen and edited that podcast. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember all of those things. Um, I've got I've got a comment from from Reese here, and I think this plays to your um, your technology thing. So I do want to bring this in. Um, and Reese says, "Do you ever use any off screen script aid slash prompts, or do you just use the slides to prompt?" And I've got I'll I'll tell you what I do in a minute. But I, I'm really interested in what what happens with yourself if you're distracted potentially by what's happening with the technology whether then those things add more of a distraction to you or not or less yeah, short answer is yes they do for me um with things like when i was moderating which incidentally i found infinitely more stressful than presenting um, <laughs> because i'm such a people pleaser and i was so desperate not to let down the person whose moment that was um i did have sticky notes all over the place about things about them um that i absolutely needed to nail and Sometimes, actually, I, I present often from a, um, an office at home that has a window behind my screen. And I do sometimes stick A3 bits of paper with words. Um, you know, when you're creating slides and you're in the moment and you, you have this, well, I mean, this is personal, but you get this feel of how this slide's going to land. And it's often dependent on a phrase or a word that occurred to you when you're creating it. And um, I seem to have short term memory problems, so I know I will have forgotten that kind of magic word and phrase. So I sometimes just put those on there. Having said that, I find mostly when I'm presenting, adrenaline seems to sharpen my focus and I don't even look at them. <laughs> but I guess it's really to know they're there. I wonder if, Reese, if, if you've got a moment to type in, did you ask that question because you do? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, and I've had, when I've been working with people creating their, presentations they'll often say oh is it okay to have prompts and mm. what have you what um the, the um one of the issues with technology i suppose is where is you you can't always have like the notes section up of a powerpoint presentation or something like that and i say you know it's absolutely fine to have notes and prompts and it's not a test it's not an exam that you need to pass but equally what you don't want to be doing is looking down here because people all know so they need to be in some fashion where you're still looking towards the webcam um but i i can't i can't have anything like that like i have to i cannot i get distracted enough by you know car going outside and mm. and these kinds of things and i'm really i have this thing where if i write any notes i will just read them like, okay. i don't know what it is it's just this this whatever it is i'll just read what they what they say and i suddenly become this robot that has no personality and no no inflection in my voice and it all goes and disappears so i don't have them at all um it, it's but i think that's a personal thing reese's reese's responded mm -hmm. here he says he finds his presentations to be much better and has more confidence when he has off-screen prompts um 
and in which case yeah brilliant i think as long as you're as long as you're conscious of where the webcam is and where you're looking um and that you're not like me and being robotic i've certainly got eh, eh, no no issues with that at all uh, actually jack that's just made me think well something related to when we're talking about backgrounds and stuff i would say that I spend more time sorting out my immediate environment and, and actually the bits other people can't see when I present, much more so than if I were just working in my office. Um, and I don't think it through in any calculated way, but I, yeah, there's something, and it, it's probably the flip side of what you were saying about how it makes patients feel to be in the right environment. There are certain little things um, that just make me feel more like I want to feel when I'm presenting. What do they say, cluttered, cluttered? desk cluttered mind or something that's not the phrase is einstein it? refuted that though didn't you oh did he yeah i think he said well if your desk is empty what does that say about your mind yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good oh, my problem is coffee mugs everywhere that's my oh yeah i have those too but i i do push them to the side when i'm yeah <laughs> it's, it, it, you're right in that if you don't feel comfortable it's not going to if you don't feel like it's like having an uncomfortable chair i've got this ridiculous leather chair like if, if i'm sat here and i'm not comfortable it's going to come across quite obviously isn't it um yeah it's anything that you people can do and we're getting into a bit more solution to but anything you could do to make yourself feel comfortable is going to be going to be better i've always said said this about you know um things like uh doing your hair or doing makeup or what clothes you wear and um and these kinds of things if if people feel uncomfortable for whatever reason whether they feel like they're being judged or whatever it is then um then it's it you're not going to come across as comfortable and then everything suffers a little bit because you are as you said you are selling things you there's a reason you know estate agents and car salesmen wear where car salesmen car salesmen and women etc wear suits and they're smart because they want to portray a certain look or a certain air of confidence mm. etc that they're giving you good advice um and it's it is that is what it is that's just so sort of social conditioning I yeah suppose. and i think it's quite there's something weird about having a physiotherapist talking about a physical movement-based subject sitting like this in a suit looking really stiff um and you know I, I do get really stiff when i'm nervous so sometimes i'll just put on a load of loud music and dance before i present so that i actually loosen up and move <laughs> yeah that's really funny because i when i'm in person i I walk around all over the place and I'm doing stuff and my arms are going like craziness. And then when I, when I present online, I, uh, I tend to just sit here like a, like I'm in a very comfortable leather chair. Um, <laughs> Reese has put up just another comment here. Um, I feel like this is a presentation for Reese at the moment. Um, <laughs> anybody else? Yeah. Um, this is a really interesting point and I'd be, I'd be really interested in your uh, reaction to this but do you think social media and it's been worse over the last few years for sure being positive or negative for encouraging people to present there there is this there seems to be this push that everybody should be putting their opinions out but if you do there is this risk that you get shouted at um what's your thoughts there yeah i think it's a really good question and i think probably in the cases of people that are struggling to um or feeling they don't want to present i think that probably does feed into it yeah definitely along the lines of oh my goodness if that goes on in social media um you know and i on social media you've got the option not to respond haven't you but if it if someone throws something at you online when you're that exposed yeah i think that is a concern 
Um, actually, a friend of mine, Catherine Gale, put a question out this morning or a thought on LinkedIn when we asked for feedback on this. And she said one of her main concerns in presenting is the unanswerable questions, which is a bit different to what you're saying. I think, well, Reese, I think you're talking more about challenges. Um, but it's the same thing, isn't it? I, I won't have the option to just, you know, to turn my video off. I am there. I've got to respond somehow. Um, and I would add to that that sometimes when I'm really focused on my stuff, I think I sometimes misinterpret people's typed questions, and that's partly the typed word. And I realise I read them afterwards and go, "Oh my goodness, that wasn't even what they were asking me." Um, but yes, I, I'd say it probably does influence it. It's probably those people who are on the more comfortable side. It probably pushes them to be more comfortable, and the people on the less comfortable side, it probably pushes them to be less comfortable, doesn't it? Um, yeah, interesting. It's an interesting dynamic, and I think there's a real. Um, something that we we don't often consider is the fact that you're being recorded so in in the live situation it would be unusual for you to be recorded and therefore if someone challenged you you could say that's not what i said or you can change it or whatever but if someone plays back a recording of you saying something specific that's a bit more difficult to to refute um and i think that's a unspoken dynamic that people aren't necessarily aware of often even if the recorders or the recordees i don't know whether mm. they whether, whether they that's something they consider hopefully i'm not giving people more stresses that they're always i was going to say I, I think um you know give people feedback because i would definitely worry about those kind of things they, these are muscles you've got to flex like everything aren't they and oh, i know my first therapy live my heart nearly burst out my chest before my presentation um second time after two or three it's much easier um, and I think it's really good if we can challenge each other online and, and say stupid things and it still be okay. You know, there are certain people, I'm not going to name any of them now, who almost deliberately say stupid things and obviously almost want it to be retweeted and, and quoted. I'm not sure I want to go that far necessarily, but I think the more we do it, the more comfortable we get, more comfortable with making idiots of ourselves, the better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We used to, um, the other Jack and I, um, we used to just talk about things over Zoom or phone or ask each other questions. Right. I think if you can find someone who you're comfortable talking to and ask them difficult questions that you don't necessarily know the answer to or even are interested in the answer to, but something that is a challenge and just discuss these things back and forth, that can really help with those questions that are unanswerable because some questions are unanswerable and we don't know. No one yeah. knows. Um, or they're so complex it's not something you can go into or it's outside my one of my favorite phrases is oh it's outside of today's talk for example <laughs> um you know those kind of things or it, it, you know that's not in my specialty you know you might be able to find this elsewhere i think that's or there's the classic um jack two questions where you, you you have in your mind the answer to the first bit and then and then there's three sub questions like, oh my god i had the first one but <laughs> now i've forgotten exactly yeah yeah and getting them to rephrase that question sometimes might be helpful which is difficult when it's in text um Brilliant. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time, Joe. That's gone super fast. We've run, actually run over slightly. Um, I think maybe we can come back and talk about some solutions to some of these things, uh, maybe in the future. And um, I think that would be really good. Um, and can I just add in um, for the viewers? Um, having been a therapy live speaker, I'd say this man here does absolutely excellent prep, um, make his head swell. But he does some really great YouTube videos. Um, and actually, even though Jack March does find it really easy. I think he's really good at translating it. Um, I, I wouldn't class myself as techie, but 
he did get me to the point where I felt comfortable enough. <laughs> so it's good practice. Very kind of you. And um, just while we're on head swelling, uh, tell everybody about uh, Mehab and where to find you. Uh, so my website is www.mehab.co.uk. And that's a platform, a kind of um, platform for everything that I do. So you can find out there about uh, my coaching services and my community, which is called Me Hub, and also all the episodes of my podcast, You Matter, are on there too. Brilliant. Lovely. So thank you very much for everybody tuning in. Thank you, Joe, for spending half an hour with me talking about this um, and me hijacking the Wellbeing Wednesday for things I want to talk about. And um, we will be back for more chewing it overs tomorrow. Don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm going to be talking about um, oncology physio on Friday. So that'll be a complete change of pace, which will be interesting. Um, but um, thank you for everybody tuning in and hopefully have a good rest of the day. And everybody who watches regularly, as we were saying at the beginning, you'll know that the music's going to get very, very loud very, very quickly. So uh, you might want to turn us down a little bit. But thanks, Joe, and I'll have a good rest of the day. Pleasure. Thanks.